What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ablaze Youth Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at We Are Ablaze. But I want to talk to you guys about the singular most powerful truth you will ever hear in your life. That's a pretty uh, awesome statement. It's something that I'm going to share with you. And the reason why I say it's the single most powerful truth you will ever hear is because I understand how radical this truth is because it radically changed my life. Are you ready for it? It's simple, but sometimes it's the most simple things that are the most powerful. Here's the, the best, most powerful, most wonderful truth you will ever hear. God loves you. Man, I've been stuck on this for a minute, guys, and I don't think you understand. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I think, in senior high or when we're all together. I really don't remember, but just talking about how much God loves us and what really changed me is understanding the depths of his love towards me. You know, this isn't a natural love. And and the reason why we're going to talk about this tonight, and maybe even more in the coming weeks, is because when you truly get a revelation about how much God loves you, it has this amazing way of just taking care of some things in your life. I remember this scripture, it says that his perfect love cast out all fear. Do you want to get rid of fear in your life? It's as simple as this, learn how much God loves you. You know, uh, it says uh, over in Peter, it talks about casting your anxiety and your worry on the Lord. How come you can give him the things that make you anxious? How come you can give him things that worry you? It's this simple, because he loves you. You know, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to be confused anymore. And the reason you don't have to be confused is because, guess what? He loves you. (laughs) Come on, you're going to grab a hold of this tonight because this is powerful. It really is. And I love that scripture. We even sing a song. It's over in the book of Romans. It talks about how nothing, somebody say nothing. Nothing nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Not hell, not demons, not angels, not what you do right, not what you do wrong. His love is so powerful that it transcends all of your mistakes and still reaches you in the middle of your turmoil. His love is so powerful that when we backslide and we run away from God, he's standing right there with us saying, I have not left you because the Bible says he will never leave you and never forsake you. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the depths of that great love. And I used to read these scriptures all the time. I haven't done it here recently. It's the Ephesians prayers and the Colossians prayers. I used to read them every single morning. We're going to start in Ephesians 3, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, out of New Living. It says this, And that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great to understand fully. His love is so great. Listen, when you get a revelation of this love, there's a freedom that comes with it. I have a really, I don't know if it would be called a terse illustration, if you will, about this. When you're in a relationship, if you want to know if they love you or not, will they fart in front of you? Because there's like a freedom with true love. You know, like, I never farted in front of any other girls, and then I met Rachel. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) it still took some time, and we had to develop a relationship. But that's real love. This is what real love is. Love, real love, will still like you even when you're ugly. Right? And I say this about Rachel all the time. Not only do I love her, I actually like her. You know what I mean? Because there's a difference there. We're called to love everybody, but we're not called to like everybody. But this real love, this God kind of love, there's so much freedom in it. And this is what we're going to talk about because really when you get a revelation in this, the way you worship, you'll be free. 
See, when people are stiff in their worship, it's because they don't really know how much God loves them. See, the revelation of this love produces an action. See, I'll do things for Rachel that I've never done for any girl in my entire life because I love her. Right? I'll jump in front of a gun. I'll jump in front of a train. Well, maybe not a train. I might throw someone else in front of it. You know? But what am I saying? I will go to great lengths and make great sacrifices for her because it's real love. Amen. If you want to get a picture of this love, look no further than Jesus Christ. And we've got to get a real understanding of what love actually is. Can I just tell you real quick, it's not an emotion and it's not feelings. Real love, God's love is, I'm committed to you. And that's what real love looks like. It's commitment-based, not feelings. It's commitment and not emotions. Right? Because when Jesus was on that cross and he was dying and he was taking your sin and my sin and your shame and my shame and my sickness and your sickness and your poor your poor and my poor and he became all these things for us. You know, he wasn't in the fields at that moment. I mean, think about it. Beaten so bad that his mother couldn't recognize him. Whipped with a cat of nine tails. So every time he gets hit once, he's getting hit nine times. Ripping the flesh off his back. Driving a crown of thorns into his head. Putting, you know, and we think about this lots of times where the nails in his hands or in his wrist. We've heard people say it had to go through his wrist in between the bones. Otherwise, the weight of him, he would have fell off the cross. I mean, he had a brutal, brutal death on that cross. Yet, he never wavered in his commitment to you. That's the power of love. And the revelation of this love, it produces a freedom. Everyone say, I'm free. And we're going to look at this tonight because there is a right way and a wrong way to express that freedom. Right? When we come in here, we should have the freedom where we can sing and lift our hands and maybe even dance a little bit and get a little rambunctious, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. I remember when we were back in the old building and some of you were with us then, Cody and Ashley and a few others, and I said this, and it was just out of pure ignorance because I didn't know what it was, and I got up and I was exhorted, and I said, we're going to get wild in here tonight. I want to see everyone twerking for Jesus. And it got really awkward. And all the students were like, no. And I was like, yes, twerk for Jesus. And they're like, no. And I'm like, yes, twerk for Jesus. And then I looked up a video of twerking. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? No. Just imagine everybody, anyways, you know, I mean, it's just weird. Like, don't twerk for Jesus. You don't do that. There's a right way and a wrong way to express this amazing gratitude towards him because of his love. Amen. And so we're supposed to lift our hands. And when you understand that love, there's a freedom that comes with it. But the right way to express that freedom. You know, in church, especially a church like us, we're not supposed to be all dogmatic where we just stand here. Like a bunch of statues and gargoyles, you know. <laughs> you know, where we're just so stiff because we don't want to do anything wrong. No, there's freedom in his presence. Come on now, I said there's freedom in his presence. I'll say it again, there's freedom in his presence. And so you should be comfortable lifting your hands. And you should be comfortable jumping a little bit. You should be comfortable dancing. And we're going to reinforce this tonight with, with scripture. But where does it start? You know he loves you. If you don't think he loves you, you'll never express gratitude for that great love. Right? It all is rooted and starts in understanding the depths of his love. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's so great to understand fully. See, I, I've been walking with God for many years now, and I still don't fully understand his love. 
Dude, I made a mistake. Just this week I did something stupid. But you know what? He still loves me. He's still blessing my life and still taking care of my family, even though I made a mistake. It's not about being perfect because you're never going to be perfect. But you hear me say this. You ought to at least try, though. Try returning this love back to him. That's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why I do the things that I do, because I want to try to love him as he has first loved me. Everyone say, his love is powerful. You'll never understand it fully. Then you'll be made complete in the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now I want to read this real quick out of the Message Bible. It says, uh, in, response to get to, in response to this, I get down on my knees and before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels even heavens and earth, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus Christ the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Taste it or test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. That word right there, and this is what I want to dive in tonight. Plumb into the depths. You know, when I think of it, it's like, you know, many of you have probably been to Point Mallard. They got all those different diving boards, and, you know, they got the really tall one, and it's really kind of scary. I've got such an awkward story. The first time we went there, I didn't know how to use those real springy ones. I thought it was just like, you know, one of those trampolines or one of those diving boards in someone's backyard that's kind of stiff. And so, man, I jumped on that sucker, and my feet slipped right, right behind me. I fell on my back flat onto the, onto, I just have, I fell on my back onto the diving board, and then just kind of rolled over like a dead person into the water. It was so embarrassing. And when I came up in the water, I was like, no one's looking at me, right? And everyone was staring right at me like, you schmuck. And so, but anyways, I think about that. Plum into the depths of it. I like to say it this way, dive into the depths of it. Amen. There's only good things in the waters of his love that are waiting for you. Amen. When we lived in Colorado, we used to go cliff diving and we went to this one rock quarry and we didn't know what was in the bottom of this water. We just knew that there was some water there. So we climbed up onto these cliffs and we were jumping off and we were jumping off and one of my friends went a little bit higher and he jumped off and we didn't know that people were actually dropping old rusty cars in the bottom of this quarry and he cut his foot wide open on this car that was inside that water. But the only reason he cut himself is because we didn't know what was in there. Right? And because you don't know what's in there, sometimes there's this pause and this hesitation because after that moment, we were all thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't jump in there because am I going to get hurt too? And I feel like sometimes people feel that way about God. There's this pause and hesitation. I don't know what's waiting for me out there. Is it going to hurt me? Is it going to be beneficial to me? Is it going to be devastating to me? God only has, guess what? Good things for you. And he'll never hurt you when you decide to jump into the waters of his love. There's only mercy and grace and faithfulness and goodness. <laughs> Come on now, guys. Whatever's causing this pause and this hesitation from jumping into God, you need to just get rid of it. Because the waters are good. And so I want to talk to you real quick about how to get into the depths of his love. Number one, you've got to just accept that he loves you. Stop arguing with it. Stop fighting with it. Maybe you're like me in the beginning of my relationship with God. Can he really love me with everything I've done, the things I've said, the way I've treated people? Can he really love me? You need to get rid of that and just accept his love. Everyone say, I accept his love. 
When you accept him and accept his love, it creates this wonderful open door for you. We know the scripture, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. I like verse 17, even though I write it down. It said, He did not send his son to condemn the world, but he sent him to save the world. He's not here to make you feel bad. He's here to help you. Hmm, I'll say that again. He's not here to make you feel bad. He's here to help you. But he can't help us if we're running away from him. He can only help us when we run towards him. So the first thing we have to do is accept this love and stop running from him and start running towards him. I quoted it earlier, 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in perfect love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has, has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so we have nothing to fear. And the reason we have nothing to fear is because I've accepted this love. Dude, and this is so cool. When you accept the love of God, what it does is it lines you up with your creator. And when you're lined up with your creator, now with confidence, you can say, with God before me, who could be against me? When it lines you up with your creator, this is why perfect love casts out all fear. Because when you accept the love of God, you get a revelation. The creator, think about this now, the creator. The creator. You know the devil can't create anything? He can only pervert things. He perverts God's creation. I could give you illustrations, but that's all he can do. He can pervert things. He perverts sex and sexuality. He perverts this and perverts that. God creates. This is why it's empowering, because now I understand the creator is on my side. All these stars the millions of them in the sky that you see each night that he knows the number of them, that dude is on your side. The one who spoke and hung the sun and the moon, the Bible says he holds oceans and the worlds in the palm of his hand. That's who's on your side. See, that's why I can walk up to just about any situation with great confidence and be like, we're going to get through it. And guess what? If I walk up to it and I don't have the confidence, guess what I do? I go right to him. And it reminds me, the creator's on my side. Accepting that love produces confidence. So everyone say, I got to accept it. Another thing we got to do to dive into it, this one's really simple. We got to read our Bibles. When you read the Bible, I know we don't do this anymore, but you're reading God's love letter to you. We don't pass letters. Well, maybe you do. I haven't been in school for a minute. Y'all still pass notes? Mm-hmm. You pass TikToks now. You're like, <laughs> yeah, go watch that, hey, girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you do now. That's your letter. <laughs> but when you read, God wrote this love letter about you. Make no mistake, this is about you. <laughs> we used to do it in class, and the teacher would take it and, like, read it, and it was just so weird. It's like, that ain't for you. <laughs> Mind your business, you know what I mean? But God loves you so much. And the way you grow in the depths of that love is read his love letter that's written to you. I'm going to challenge you guys this week. Pick up your Bible at least one time and read something. Read something. I would encourage you to read out of the epistles which is what the Apostle Paul wrote because it's written to the modern church. Read out of there. You know, uh, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're good. Those are called the Gospels, but the Epistles, which is like Romans, Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. Read that kind of stuff that's written to the church. But read God's, stay out of stuff like Deuteronomy and Exodus and, you know, talking about gangrene and people's hands falling off and you're just like, ah! 
You know what I mean? I mean, no, that smells wild and crazy. Stay away from that stuff. That's Old Testament. You don't need to live there. You live in the dispensation of grace, which means you live in the dispensation of God's love. Amen. So stay there. Read the Bible. I challenge you one time. And then the last thing, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. How do we really get into the depths of God's love? Are you ready for this one? One of the best ways to get into the depths of his love is to engage during a service. Just like you're doing right now, you're listening with such anticipation, I can feel it. But we have to engage even during the praise and worship. When you engage in relationship, you get the benefits and you get to experience what that relationship's all about. <laughs> right? You know, just think about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you never talk to and you never make any effort to engage in that relationship. It doesn't benefit you at all. I had somebody come up to me the other day, and they're like, you know, I got this girlfriend, and he's like, apparently we were, we were dating for two days before I even knew it. And I was like, were you really, though, if you didn't, you know, if there was no interaction and no engagement, were you really dating, you know? So my question to you, when it comes to your relationship with God, are you really in one if you haven't engaged with it? Listen to this definition of engage. It means to participate or become involved in, to participate or become, this is what we love, you know, I've never been to one, I've been to a couple professional sports football games and a couple professional basketball games and hockey games, but everybody always tells me, you need to go to a college football game and experience the atmosphere at one of those games. Do you want to know why the atmosphere in a college football game is so crazy and wild and vibrant? It's because you have 100,000 people engaging and responding and being involved in what singular thing is happening on a field. And when you get 100,000 people all together participating and becoming involved in one thing, that atmosphere becomes powerful. It becomes electric. Right? It becomes wild. And we got some athletes in here. You, you know what I'm talking about. You'll have these football games where you play this no-name team from wherever, but then all of a sudden when Bob Jones and James Clemens play each other, the atmosphere changes because you have all these people involved and participating in this event. You can't tell me I'm wrong because I'm not. Well, guess what? Church is the same way. But instead of focusing on a leather ball, we're focusing on the Creator. Instead of participating with a pass or an interception, we're participating with the radicalness of the changing of our own lives. And we're becoming involved in that. And that same electricity that could be at a natural sports game, that could be, a, man, I went and saw Spider-Man, what's it called, No Way Home. Dude, have you guys seen that movie? <laughs> Bro, I'll try not to, but I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. Be warned. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, this is on you. <laughs> All right, no spoilers. But I've never been to a movie where the crowd was so involved and so participating. And stuff was happening on screens. You showed a video two weeks ago. And they were jumping up. There was this one part where he was sitting with his lawyer, and I'm not going to give anything away. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And they were screaming and throwing their hats. And I, I looked over at Matt, and I was like, this is crazy. What is happening right now? But it made, and I, and I told Matt after we left the theater, I was like, I can't imagine watching that movie without people responding that way now. How boring would that be? 
How, how much less of an experience would it be if we all just sat there and watched it? But when they were acting crazy, you know, I'm just sitting there like, y'all chill out. I'm trying to watch the movie, you know. And then like about 60 minutes in when everyone's still rowdy, I'm like, yeah, throwing my hat too, you know, getting involved. Because that kind of electricity and that kind of involvement is contagious. Right? And when everybody's doing it and everybody's moving and there's so much momentum going that direction, you can't help but get involved. I know, like, I mean, it's so crazy. It's like mob mentality, you know? Even all of a sudden, things, you, you just like, yeah, kill that team. You're like, wait, your friend's on that team. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I got caught up in the moment. I mean, it's just radical when all that electricity and that is in the room, how it just changes everything. So how do we do that at church? We've got to engage this is up to you. We've got to participate and become involved in what is happening. There's no spectators in the room, right? We're not just sitting there watching, but now we're getting involved and we're participating in this wonderful love and this relationship we have with him. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips openly professed to him. So we're talking about the right and the wrong ways to get involved. The first thing he says is with the fruit of your lips. What is that? That's praise. That's you singing. That's why we sing with these songs. We're not just singing because some of the songs, <laughs> we're getting new songs, some we don't even like, but we sing them anyways. <laughs> why? Because we want to get involved. Amen? And I love this. It says, let us bring a sacrifice. And pastor's been talking about this. You know, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is the very best that you have. See, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice because it was the very best that God had. And so we're supposed to bring the very best. But then he tells us what we're supposed to bring the best of, the praise. So when you come in here and you bring the sacrifice of praise, what he's saying is bring your very best praise. Oh, come on now. He's saying bring the sacrifice, and a sacrifice is the best, and bring the sacrifice of praise. So he's saying bring your very best praise. Right? So God doesn't want, you know, just like, <laughs> no, he wants your best, man. He wants, whatever. he wants that coming from your belly, and you singing like you're at a concert. And getting involved, he wants you to bring the best praise to him. Because that's a sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Right? So we're talking about the right and wrong ways to do this. So we start here with the fruit of our lips. What's next? I will praise you. This is Psalm 63, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. So we bring the fruit of our lips, which is singing songs. Right? Right? And then the next thing he says, I'll praise you with the fruit of my lips as long as I live, which that's an awesome commitment. We should be on the same page. And then the next thing he says, with the lifting of my hands. Do you know what a lifting of the hands symbolizes? I surrender. I surrender. Just look at it this way, and I know it's kind of a bad way, and don't carry this over into God because he would never force this. But imagine that you're being held up at like an ATM teller or something. Somebody's there with a knife or a gun. When you put up your hands like this, you're saying what? I surrender. Just take my wallet, take my money, just don't do anything stupid. I surrender. Or you could say it this way, you're in control right now. I'm not trying to do it. You're in control. Well, it's the same thing in church. God, you're in control. I surrender. This is me yielding. 
I'm no longer going to fight against this, but I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm bringing the sacrifice of my praise. I'm lifting him up with my mouth, and now I'm going to lift my hands. Everyone say, lift my hands. What is this? This is participation in getting involved in what is going on. It's engaging. And the whole reason we do this is so we can experience that love. I have this saying. I don't remember where I heard it, but I really believe this. To know him is to experience him. But if you haven't experienced him, that's because of you, not because of him. Because he's already, I mean, he's always ready to pour himself out. God is so ready for you to have an experience in him. He's so ready. You know, there used to be this wall of separation between you and God, but Jesus, the Bible says he rent that in two, which means he split it in two. He took down that veil of separation. Now you have free access to God. What does that mean? He's ready to engage in this relationship with you. He's just waiting for you. He's waiting for us to participate. He's waiting for us to get involved. Amen? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dissension. So there he says pray, which you can pray to get involved. But you know what? Praise and worship is just a form of prayer. Right? So when we worship God, we're praying. And there he says again, with lifted hands, Psalms 104, verse 3, or 33, says this, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to God with my, with, with, <laughs> while I have my being. Psalms 149, verse 3, out of the English Standard Version, says this, let them praise his name, oh, you ready for this one, with dancing, making a melody with him with a tambourine and a lyre. So now he's telling us, you know what, instruments can be brought into this too. And dancing can be brought into this. Not a secular, no one's twerking. <laughs> Not a secular. You want to know how you can tell if it's someone dancing to praise Jesus or if it's just someone dancing? Because when they're dancing to praise Jesus, the attention's on him. When they're just dancing, the attention's on them. If they're distracting the service, it's more about them and less about him. Right? So, like, if we're in here and we're getting a little rambunctious, you know, and then Cody, you know, on his guitar gets down here and starts twerking or whatever, that's a distraction making his worship and his praise inappropriate. But if he stays up here, you know, and he just starts getting lost in the moment, however he can't, you know, do his little Cody thing. (laughs) Right? And he's just getting it, and he's playing, and he's doing whatever he's got to do. What is that? That's Cody dancing before the Lord. And his dance doesn't have to look like your dance. But the point is, is he's engaging in this relationship. He's getting involved. Come on, I'm encouraging you guys. Next week when we come to church, get involved. Have some freedom. Why can't be free? Yes, you can because he loves you. He died to set you free. Right? Let's just enjoy what he's done for us. One thing that I won't tolerate is church, big church being more rambunctious than youth. (laughs) Not going to let them have more fun than we have. (laughs) Right? And they're starting to get a little crazy over there on Sunday mornings. And we got to catch up. And it's not about performance. It's about engaging in this relationship. Amen. 2 Samuel 6.14, And David was wearing linen in the ephod. He danced with all of his might before the Lord. I love one scripture, it talks about how David was dancing before the Lord and his wife, his wife was like, dude, you need to chill out, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> and 
And he looked at her, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, woman, you ain't seen nothing yet. He said, I'm about to get more wild for Jesus. Well, not Jesus at that time, but God. I'm about to get more. <laughs> Turn up. He's like, you haven't seen anything yet. I love that. Because David's saying, you know what? I'm not going to let another person influence how I worship my God. I love him. And he deserves my best. And he's changed my life. So I'm going to dance in his presence. Amen. Dancing in God's presence is okay. Acts chapter 3, verse 8. Now, this is an interesting one. We know what's going on. I'll give you some context here. This is at the gate called Beautiful, and the Bible says there was a lame man who'd been laid there for many, many years. Jesus had walked by this man. And then all of a sudden, the disciples, they go into the upper room in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls on them like clothing, tires, uh, uh, fire, tongues, and they start acting a little wild and crazy. And now they're coming to the temple for worship, and there's this lame man there. And uh, he's begging for gold and silver. And Peter and John look down at him and say, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, what I do have, I have this relationship with the creator. What I do have, I've experienced something, and I want to share that experience with you, right? And so they take what they've experienced, they reach down, they grab his hands, and the Bible says instantly the lame man receives strength. See, when you worship God, it doesn't just benefit you, but it benefits others, See, we've got to remember this. We've got to be not so self-centered when it comes to our worship. There may be someone in the room that needs something from him, and what they need may be contingent upon you being free. Your freedom can encourage someone else to be free, and in their freedom, they can get what they need from God. Right? And so they reach down and says instantly, now look at what happens after this man was healed. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. Then walking and leaping, someone say leaping. Walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple. So this man goes into the temple jumping and praising God. Hallelujah! I mean, I'm healed. I've been lame my whole life. I couldn't walk. I've been a beggar at this temple. Jesus walked by, and all of a sudden now I'm healed. Let me just praise God for a minute. And let me go into the temple and do it. What's the temple? That's the church. Now dude's in the temple, leaping and jumping and praising God. Y'all know it's okay to jump in church. Now I don't jump high because I can't. And that's okay because the scripture says, lo, I'm with you, so... You know, I stay right here. <laughs> but it's okay to jump. So we just looked at three different ways to engage with our praise, with our lifted hands, with our jumping and our dancing. These are ways that we can engage. And yes, there's an appropriate way to do it and an inappropriate way to do it. But we've got to start doing something. Because only when we begin to do something are we beginning to respond and dive into the depths of his love. And can I tell you something? Out in the depths of his love is where everything changes. The questions you have, that's where the answers come from in the depths of his love. Right? The worry that you have, that's where it falls off, is in the depths of his love. The anxiety that being a part of this world tries to put on of us, that's where it goes away, is in the depths of his love. If we will just begin to go beyond ourselves and explore this wonderful love of God by doing those things we talked about tonight, everything will change. Stop waiting for God.
because he's waiting for you. Do something. Respond to him. Engage with him. And watch his mighty hand move on your life. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes, bow your heads real quick, doctor. I just want to take a minute and pray for you. The first thing we said about receiving this or, or engaging in this love is we must accept it. This is where it all starts. It all starts with his love and accepting that love. Well, how do we do that? Well, Romans says this, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and you shall be saved. That's how you accept his love. That's for somebody who's never known him, somebody who's never accepted him, that's where you start. But maybe you have accepted him, maybe you have believed in your heart and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you did do that, but lately you haven't been engaging and participating in this relationship in the way that you're supposed to. Well, how do we change? How do we accept his love? Well, 1 John 9 says this. We confess our sins. Not every single one. You don't have to list them one by one. But we confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And in that moment, he forgives us of everything we've done wrong. And instantly, we're made right with God. So if you've never had the opportunity to accept this wonderful love, if you want to receive that love tonight for the very first time, guys, God is waiting for you. Jesus died to bring you into the family of God. You were created to be his child, his son, or his daughter. That's who you were created to be. And it starts by you saying, Jesus, I receive you. As everybody's in an attitude of prayer, nobody's looking around, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If there's anybody in here and you're saying, I want to pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to begin to engage for the first time in this wonderful love. I want to participate in this relationship with Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We want to remind you, if you'd like to join us in person, we meet every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. here in Madison, Alabama. We are Ablaze Youth Ministries, grades 6 through 12. We hope to see you. Otherwise, be sure to keep on listening to the podcast.